Welcome to Write Stuff Radio, where we showcase Christian authors worldwide. Each week, join me for a new author and a great new book to add to your library. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Carrie Meats. That name may be familiar if you are aware of the book, Amish Vampires in Space. Yes, this is the guy who wrote that book that really took the literary world by storm. And I kind of say that tongue in cheek because he's going to tell us the origin of that story and how it affected him later on in the broadcast. I'm so glad he's here today. We're going to be showcasing his newest release called Lost Bits. And if you like buddy adventures, robots, sci-fi, you're definitely going to enjoy Lost Bits. It's available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. So make sure you go ahead and pick up your copy today. I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release. It's called A Chance for Genevieve, part of the Last Chance Bride series, which is a spinoff of the Blizzard Bride series. Your response has been absolutely wonderful. And if you haven't had a chance to get it, you can get it exclusively on Amazon. Or if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can just apply it to your subscription. So go ahead. Let me know your thoughts about my newest release, A Chance for Genevieve. We want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash stuff and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. So let's go ahead and bring on my guest today, Carrie. Carrie, how you doing today? Doing great. Thanks, Parker. Good to be here again. It's so wonderful to have you again. You know, I always enjoy when we talk. And you know how much I loved your new release, Lost Fit. I stayed up most of the night to read it. I didn't get any of my stuff done because I loved your book so much. I can't wait to let our listeners know more about it in just a few moments. But I want you to go ahead and reintroduce yourself to some people here. Sure. Carrie and Eats have been uh, writing for well over 15 years now. I've got, uh, let's see, 12 novels in print and a nonfiction book. It's about a million words or more in print and um, mostly science fiction. Uh, often kind of hard, leans on the hard science fiction side and a little cyberpunk in there too. Yeah, love doing it. Been doing it for a while now. One thing about your writing style is that you don't really come to the blank screen with an idea. You kind of have a germ of a thought and it blooms from there. And so it kind of happened like that with Amish vampires in space. And I love hearing this story. So go ahead and tell us the origin story of this blockbuster novel. Sure. Sure. My publisher at the time, he used to uh, he'd go to all these writing conferences and places where other publishers would be. And everyone else was looking for Amish romance because it's such a big genre, you know, sells millions of copies a year, I think. And um, the only Amish fiction, since he was a science fiction fantasy guy, the only Amish fiction he was looking for, he, he would tell them is 
if it's something like Amish Vampires in Space. It was just this joke title he threw out. And um, at some point, he sent out a mock cover out to the other, to all the authors that wrote for him. And, and we got to laughing about it. And, and, you know, I said, someone should write that book. I don't, I don't know if it's me because it seems kind of campy, but I just think that title alone would intrigue people. And then more time went by. I, w- I was actually finishing up another trilogy at the time. And then I got this idea. It's like, okay, how would the Amish get into space, become vampires and not be campy? And I just started writing on it. I got like 30,000 words into it and sent him an email saying, hey, guess what I'm doing? And uh, when he got done laughing, he, he said, well, if it's any good, I'll publish it. So you know, I kept writing, got another 100,000 words written on it, I think, and then um, sent it to him, and he liked what he read. So long story short, it was published a few months later. So that was it. That's how it started. Anyway. And then the most wonderful thing happened. You got to tell them about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, probably five, six months later, it, in the course of time, it actually ended up becoming an indie title for me that that publishing house was sold to to someone else and the rights to that book reverted to me uh most people didn't notice you know and they kept selling brisk briskly and and um yeah then one morning i woke up and one of my friends on facebook said yeah how was it to be on the uh, tonight show last night and turned out that jimmy fallon had this book review list he did it wasn't really reviewing books he was more looking at kind of odd titles and and you know, odd. I think, yeah, I think one of the one of the other titles was how to cook with Dutch ovens. You know, or just kind of odd titles. And he he had heard about mine, and and he he brought it out on sitting on the desk and said, Amish vampires in space. Do we really need another Amish vampire in space novel? Been there, done that. Got the T-shirt. You know, and and it just kind of blew up after that. You know, that that five seconds of a mention. You know, I it just kind of took the world by storm. I guess. So yeah, it's just really kind of fun, fun thing that happened. That you can't really plan for, you know, it's just one of those unexpected events. I know that was incredible for you. And you had to have felt like a million dollars. You had to feel like a million dollars when that moment happened. Just five minutes and it changed. I'm sorry, five seconds, literally, because he just shows the book and that's it. It doesn't do much more than that. <laughs> and you're like, people are contacting you. Good things happen and grew from that. And now you have a trilogy. Tell us about that trilogy with that. So the second book in the series is Amish Zombies from Space, and then there's the third one is Amish Werewolves of Space, and uh, they came to be because you know I liked the characters who were in the first book so well, I just kind of had to know what happened to them next, and it just seemed like zombies was the best way to go there, and um, then werewolves is the kind of the capper of the series. So yeah, fun stuff. And you've really just hit all those paranormal but you put it in space and you got the homage. So, I mean, it is the best of both worlds. And now Lost Bits brings us another Carrie invention where we have the buddy, the buddy bromance adventure, but with robots. And I did, I, when I read this book, I went in completely blind. The only reason why I even probably saw the book because you had did a cover reveal of the book. And the cover is so outstanding. I said, I have got to read this book. And so for our listeners out there today, just look at this cover. You're going to be compelled to read it. And whoever your graphic design artist is, tell them great job. Yeah. Actually, it's uh, Kirk DuPont is his name. He, he's done most of the covers for all my books there. And um, 
Yeah, in fact, including Amish vampires and all the sequels. Dog-eared design is his website, and he, I don't know, he just loves science fiction. He, he's unusual in one respect in that he'll read the books before he does the covers for them, so he really will get kind of an image from what he reads, and um, yeah, I just kind of lean on him. I, I pretty much let him do whatever he wants, and he always comes back with a winner. So, yeah, good guy. Gotta love our visual artists because we can write it, but it's hard to put sometimes our thoughts into that visual medium. So God love them for those who can do that. Now, here's the thing. Before we go into Lost Bits, we need to let people know that Lost Bits is in a shared universe. So tell us about this universe that you've created. Yeah, it's in a bit of a shared universe. Like, I, I, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but there are other characters that from other stories that sort of make an appearance there. I mean, it, it Waspitz generally reads as a, a standalone. The the idea came from me just searching around the house once for something for a cable or something. I opened up this cabinet and there was a stack of, of e-readers and kind of personal tablets that were just sitting there collecting dust and you no know, machines that my kids had used growing up that, you know, they'd kind of outgrown. And I was like, oh, how kind of sad, you know, they had so many memories and fun times in these and now they're sort of sitting in a, sitting in a cabinet. And I was like, well, what if that happened to a robot? You know, what would that be like? You know? And so he, this robot who wakes up sort of in a garbage dump, having been discarded and everything's changed, you know, and, and so now he, he has memories of the family he used to work, you know, work for or work with. And, kind of goes searching for them and and discovers what's going on in the world at the same time. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting premise and it's just lots of fun and it touches on you know, family and community and some real important themes. So I love the main character whose name is K404 and eventually you get to call him 4 because why not? <laughs> uh, and then he has this gang of buddies that he finds over the course of his mission and you find out what his mission is fairly early in the novel and what's his mission yeah just to, he remembers his family he used to to be a part of and and specifically the girl he used to help take care of she was young you know probably four or five year old and so he wants to find them and kind of resume his duties you know and unfortunately the the world has changed you know it's a little more dystopian now post-apocalyptic and so kind of got to figure out what's going on and where they might possibly one of Carrie's talents is leading the reader along with the main character. You're not aware of what's going on because the main character isn't aware of what's going on. And I found that excruciating because I wanted to find out what was going on. And it kept me reading far into the night. And just as you discovered one answer, a thousand more questions came up. And so you're going on this mystery ride, if you will, and you only know as much as K404 does. But I thought that was the charm of this novel because you really are on the adventure with K404. Now he meets some interesting people, quote unquote, <laughs> along the way. And let's see, let's talk about two of them that he meets along the way. He meets this little, I almost, in my in my mind, I, I kind of consider him like a bottle cap. <laughs> but we, who is he? His name, we'll give you his name. His name is Sam, but what is Sam? Sam, Sam is like this combination communication device, companion that K-404 runs into right away, very soon in the narrative, and kind of serves as his companion. And thankfully, he's sort of wearable, so K-404 can just kind of stick him on himself, and, and he has this kind of buddy who goes along with him and, and gives him someone to talk to and kind of help figure out what's going on in the world. Unfortunately, Sam doesn't know a lot more 
about what going going on in the world than than four does. So you know they're sort of figuring it out together. But they have some really great banter, you know, and and it's really sort of a, almost like a C three PO R two D two relationship, maybe times two, you know. So yeah, fun stuff. There's a lot that goes on in this novel, but I'm just going to pick out one or two instances that made sense to me. And so one thing they meet on their journey of K-404 looking for his family, they meet some villains. One of the villains they meet actually had the most profound effect on me, not necessarily because she was so evil, but what it represented to me. So let's go ahead and just kind of describe her to our listeners. Sure. Uh, one, of the, one of the characters he runs into is this sort of um, hybrid cyborg type person, and she just has a bit of a tragic backstory, and obviously her motives aren't really known, And um, but you know, she's mostly mechanical. And so K-44 kind of comes along Cross is a very, very human character, even though he's metal. And this lady is sort of on the other end, heading, heading the other way, you know, kind of losing her, her humanity to, to metal. So makes for an interesting, you know, discourse there, I guess, and, and duality. So, yeah. But again, without giving away too much, she's, she's got her own things going on and, and her own plans and her own friends that aren't really that friendly. One aspect of Lost Bits that you touch on is about programming because K404 was made in the image of his creators. So he's made in the image of mankind, but he's only as smart or as advanced as his programming. And he finds himself at a disadvantage when he wakes up because a number of years have passed. I won't tell you how many. And the world has changed. And what was elite when he first was made is no longer elite. It's almost obsolete. And so we have this dynamic of K404 being limited by his programming from his creators. What are some of those limitations that he has to fight with every day? He wakes up with many of his systems not working like they used to, you know, so that that's definitely a disadvantage. His the guidance system like his GPS location doesn't work anymore, either because the satellites aren't there anymore or he doesn't know why, you know, and so even getting around is is difficult and 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 he's experiencing creations, new new creations that weren't around when he was he was young. So it's like, okay, what do they do? How do I adapt to this? You know, and and that's kind of where some of his friends come along and help as well, because, you know, some of them have more experience than him and are a little more adaptable. So, you know, it makes for an interesting dynamic, especially when he meets kind of a third character, sort of second friend character called Wes, you know, who's very much more of a slap together model, so to speak. And Wes is absolutely adorable. He's limited even more than Sam because Sam, he can at least talk. He can't do much, but he can, he can at least talk. But Wes is not as advanced, but he comes off as the most adorable robot you've ever met. And these are just some of the characters Characters that are interwoven in the narrative of Lost Bits. But it got me to thinking about artificial intelligence and how it constantly encroaches on humanity. Nowadays, artificial intelligence, there are real concerns about it because it can take over our existence. Data is now the OPEC. 
of society and things of that nature. And so there's these things that are interwoven in Lost Bits that just has the reader think a little bit further than just the story. Because one thing I loved about Lost Bits is that it is smashed together and multi-layered at the same time. So there's a lot going on and you have to read probably a couple of times to see all the depth that is in this story. So that's why I'm encouraging our listeners to pick up your copy of Lost Bits today. Now, real quickly, let's talk about some of the real world applications here because recently there has been a lot of talk about this Google AI whom the Google guy, I can't remember his name right now, believes is sentient. Yeah, you know, I, I actually used to be a programmer. So when I saw that news article, I said, well, that's just good programming. You know, he, he it's not that the machine has become sentient. It, it's just that they've done such a great job of constructing the code underneath that it's doing a really good job of of behaving in a sentient way, you know, and I mean, enough that it can fool, you know, one of the creators that that's, that's what you're going for. If, if that's your work, that's what you're trying to do, you know? So I, you know, to me, yeah, I, I didn't say, oh yeah, they finally, they've been the verge of Terminator time here. You know, I, I just, it's always, yeah, they did a good job. That's good code. You know, that's just really good code. <laughs> so I guess I wasn't as concerned as some people might be, but it is an interesting development. You know, that that's a very kind of cool thing and frightening too, you know. I mean, we all have to deal with today, and that, you know, to kind of segue from that is that we're being generally manipulated online in one way or the other, you know. And, you know, we know that like Google has software that can, can make phone calls and act like an assistant and you would never know the difference. You know, it's just that sophisticated. And, and what we see in social media is all, you know, under somebody's control in some way and we're all kind of being pulled one way or the other. So yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting, definitely an interesting microcosm of what's going on right now. And it gives us the opportunity through your book to, to study these things and just think about the ethics of it. Because K404, even though he comes off as just a robot, he's very human. And that's because he was made in the image of his creator. Now with the other character, again, I'm not going to give away too many spoilers. The other character, the human character, she begins to lose her humanity as she integrates with metal. And I found this extremely significant as I was reading the story. And that's why when people say that God is a created part of creation, such as the universe, such as an animal, Mother Earth, or what have you, we are actually diminishing the nature of God and saying, okay, God is part of his creation. He's not distinct from it. And what she was doing was losing her humanity by merging with the creation. And I thought that was extremely significant. Yeah, it's a good insight. Yeah, very true. And that's just one of the things that you're going to pick up from reading Carrie Meek's Lost Bits. And I know we've only given you a taste of this book, so make sure you go ahead, pick up your copy today, wherever books are sold. Now, what are some of the other projects that you're working on right now? I have a, an anthology that I want to get out. My tentative title is Digital Dreams. And it, you know, I, I, over the years, I've written a number of short stories and flash stories, and I'd kind of like to get them all together. And I'm writing a, a story to kind of headline it as well. It'll be a little little longer, closer to a novella size. So working on that, and um, I, you know, I'm not sure what next. I've I've written a number of novels in a, a gaming universe called Takamo, and the star of kind of man-sized rat characters, and they're wanting me to write another story in that universe, and I might get back to that. Or I have another series that only has two books that could be turned into a trilogy that I, I might get back to as well. So some fans have been asking for that as well. So we'll see. 
there, there's plenty of work to be done. It's just a matter of having the time to do it. As you all know. Oh, you know, I know. And my schedule gets full, but I enjoy what I do, even when I want to tear my hair out from the root <laughs> when I'm trying to figure something out. And so we're at the end of our show today, Carrie, and I want to thank you as always for being with me. But in the few moments that we have left, go ahead and tell people how they can connect with you online. I'm on, I'm on Facebook. I'm also on MeWe and on Twitter. And uh, our website is Neats.com, N-I-E-T-Z.com. Or you can search for Amish Vampires in Space and you'll find me somewhere. So, yeah, pretty simple. In the few moments toward the end of our show, I always give our guests the opportunity to encourage our aspiring authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up a pen and do so. So go ahead and encourage them out there today. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like encouraging new authors. You know, it's really about making it a habit, even even if it's not difficult, you know, if it's difficult or not first, it's first nature for you, but, you know, having a time every day that, or at least five days a week where you, you sit down and you know, and everybody else knows this is when you're going to write and giving yourself some reachable goal, attainable goals, like a, a word count that you can, you can reach me. And maybe that's only like 500 words, you know, but making that habit and, and doing it every day and not expecting it to be perfect the first time out, but getting those ideas out and thinking of it as a journey, I guess. And uh, just like 404, you know, you're one step after another till you get to the end. So yep, you can't finish unless you start. So get started. And I can't think of a better way to end this episode because like you said, get started. K404, when he woke up out of the garbage heap, that's where he was at. He got started. He took one step at a time. And he took a lot of false starts, but he ended up on an adventure. So what are you doing with your talent? What adventure waits out there for you? What are the lost bits inside of you that you aren't reaching either? So go ahead, pick up the pen and write stuff. Carrie, thank you so much for being with me on the show today. Hey, you're welcome. Thank you for inviting me on. And we were talking today to Carrie Neitz. She is the author of the book Lost Bits, available on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Make sure you go ahead, love on my brother, and pick up your copy To Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. <laughs>